0: This is The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts and local charities. Here's your host Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to The Legal Lounge where we now release new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard previous shows, there's plenty of content for you if you're going through a divorce, want to know more about claiming for injuries, or you're training to be a lawyer. You can listen to these shows on your favourite podcast app and get more information by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, corporate and commercial law solicitor, Abby Croft, is speaking with Ellie Bevan from Winsbury Dairy about setting up a business in the food industry, selling farm-fresh pasteurised milk to shops, pubs and restaurants, and milkshakes to consumers. Abby asks Ellie various questions, including what a typical day looks like at Winsbury Dairy. Abby also highlights the importance of start-up businesses having relevant legal contracts and agreements in place.
1: Hi and welcome. I'm Abby, and I'm joined today by local entrepreneur Ellie Bevan of Winsbury Dairy. Hi Ellie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. During today's episode, we thought it would be useful to discuss what it is to be an entrepreneur and what is involved in setting up a new business. So to do so, Ellie has kindly offered to join us to answer some questions and to share some of her experiences with us. So we'll be hearing all about Ellie's business and how she got to where she is today. So to begin with, Ellie, why don't you tell us a bit about Winsbury Dairy and what it offers?
2: We are based on the shropshire Wales border. My dad's a dairy farmer and I process the milk from our dairy farm to produce farm-fresh, pasteurised milk and milkshakes. Whereabouts are you based? On the shropshire Wales border, so specifically Montgomery is the village that we farm in um, and probably the nearest town would be Shrewsbury or Welsh Bull.
1: What products do you offer and what's your best-selling product?
2: Farm fresh, pasteurised milks, we do that in a variety of different ways. Um, We sell it in one litre glass bottles and then we supply pubs, restaurants, cafes with either the glass bottles or two litre poly bottles. We try and move away from that as much as possible but a lot of hospitality industries require the two litre poly bottles. We also do 13 litre purgles. And then we've got a couple of vending machines. And then new to us last year was the vending machine trailer, which we take around lots of local shows. And that does milkshakes as well, which we offer. So primarily pubs, restaurants, local shops, vending machine, and the milkshake trailer.
1: Taking a step back a bit, then, do you want to tell us a bit about you and how you got to where you are today?
2: Yeah, sure. So I did A levels in Shrewsbury and then I went to Reading University and studied food marketing with business and economics. Um, where I left with a first class honours degree and I actually did my dissertation on milk processing and whether there's a future or the future of milk vending. So I always knew I wanted to kind of come home and add value to milk and go straight to consumers but in what format I wasn't quite sure. In my year it was a kind of sandwich year at uni, it was a four-year course but in our Third year, we had a year out. So I went and worked for Samworth Brothers, which is a large food manufacturing company. You do six months in one area of the business and six months in another. So I spent six months in Leicester and I was a buyer there for Tesco's under the Samworth Brothers branch and then I did six months down in Cornwall at another one of their manufacturing plants which did desserts for MS and I was a quality assurance technician there down on the line. So that really kind of opened up my eyes to the sort of mass production of food. So how it's done for supermarkets and how sort of own label branded products for supermarkets are produced and yeah it really just opened my eyes as to like the huge scale it is and it made me really, really passionate and even more so passionate to get fresh produce, so by local seasonality, to get the produce from the farm straight to the consumer and almost miss out that middle step. Then I went back to university, um, got all my qualifications, did my final year, and then I went to Dalesford. Um, a farm shop so they've got a few branches in London um I went and worked at the farm in the Cotswolds um so that's a farm shop where they are based on the farm and their main focus is organic and literally taking the produce from the field I think it's something like 70% of their produce comes from the field to the farm shop um with minimal processing um And I really, really loved it there. I think it opened my eyes as to the expenses involved and how it isn't quite as simple as you can pull a carrot out the ground and put it in the store. But I was really pushing to try and get a milk vending machine in there. So I did a lot of the research and the sort of work behind it. There And sort of research the different like manufacturers or people who produce a machine because there's only one that produces them in the UK. The others are Swiss and Italian and different machines. So I did a lot of work then as to what the cost would be, what the sort of processing functions would be, what sort of equipment you'd have to invest in all that sort of thing all a lot of that work there and even looked into like the grants and things available for it but I could never quite get it over the line um so then I I think the pandemic hit and the food industry changed a little bit and I think I just decided to come home that yeah it was time and I'd had experience in different areas and yeah just decided to start it up at home
1: Okay, so would you say that all of that experience is what made you want to go on your own, set up your own business or was it always your plan?
2: I always knew I wanted to come back home to the farm. I think I've always loved being rurally located and I love just being hands-on on on the farm as well because I'm not employed on the farm but I still do the odd milkings and help out bringing the heifers down. And we've just started, we're autumn block carvings, we've just started carving and I love being involved in all of that. So I definitely knew I wanted to come home. But I have, like with my degree, food marketing with business and economics, I knew I definitely wanted to go into a more consumer-facing role within the agricultural industry.
1: How long did it take you then from when you came back from university to actually setting up? Did you have a few months of planning or up to a year of planning or did you jump straight in?
2: Well, yeah, I did a lot of the legwork at Dalesford. So a lot of the research and the sort of costing and the legal side and what machinery we need and the processes we'd have to go through and the sort of legal documents we would need and the certifications that we required to be able to trade then I just had to come home and sort of like specify that for home so I think I finished in Dalesford in the in a July sort of time and then I was actually operational and up and running with Winsbury Dairy mm. I think it was August time so it was pretty quick.
1: Given that you're in the kind of food and drink industry as well were there any additional steps you hadn't like foreseen anything that kind of came up as you went along that you had to kind of focus on?
2: I suppose cash flow I didn't forecast sort of cash flow as vigorously as I should have Um, and there's always like operational running costs that you don't expect and so I suppose there was some things like that that I hadn't planned for as much as I should have and the legal side of it as well I think it's definitely important to get your local council sort of on board with what you're doing as soon as possible so you can work with them through the process rather than try and get it all done and then be like can you come and assess me audit me check I'm all right I definitely found it helpful to work with them as I was sort of designing the pasteurizing room and things so working with them to make sure that we sort of ticked all the boxes and got all the paperwork completed along the way
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. We have a a lot more people come to us partway through rather than at the beginning. And it would be a lot easier for people if they came at the beginning um, because they're almost setting the legal framework then. So it sets them a good stead really to move forward. Definitely. Let's have a look at maybe what a day in the life of Ellie Bevan is like. So what's your typical day?
2: I think with being a startup, you're very hands-on with every aspect of the business. It's quite early mornings. Being on a dairy farm, I think is the first thing. The typical day is wake up, either put milk on to pasteurize as they're milking, or it's a delivery day. so we kind of deliver on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so that means that we process and pasteurize the milk on a Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Saturday's kind of a either day with the trailer at the shows um, or a day off. So, yeah, it's kind of like wake up. So, either put milk to pasteurize for processing or we go out on our deliveries and then it's come back, wash down, sterilize everything. And then on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, normally the afternoon is catch up on admin, marketing, replying to customers, that sort of side of things catching up with everything
1: so nice and busy then doesn't yeah, sound it like seems, you stop
2: <laughs> it seems pretty hands-on all the time but I really enjoy that
1: yeah no it's definitely best to be busy you've touched on a few people you have working with you Do, how large is your team
2: it started out just as a partnership between my mum and I and we started out like the Winsbury Dairy and then sort of 12 14 months in we got that we um, definitely or I got that I definitely needed a a hand as the sort of like account side of things grew and then the marketing side of things grew and then the round grew, there was more demand. I had a friend who worked in the dairy industry anyway and he managed a large herd of dairy cows and he kind of wanted a bit of a career change. Um, And so, yeah, he came on board and now it's the two of us doing the day-to-day operations of Winsbury Dairy. And then my mum does the accounts, which I'm very grateful and fortunate for.
1: And would you mind me asking, do you have any contracts in place with either your mum or your other partner that you brought in?
2: Yeah, so we set up a contract because we took a loan from the farm, Winsbury Livestock, to start up Winsbury Dairy. So we had all contracts drawn out then. Okay. Um, and within the partnership between mum and I, we, had a, we have a contract there. And then when we brought Dan on board we altered the contract to split the partnership.
1: Yeah, no, that is one of the kind of key areas that I think is often overlooked, especially by people that come into businesses um, without experience. Um, they often try to cut corners and save a bit of money, um, but it's definitely great you've got them in place. Uh, it's something you don't need to think about in the future now.
2: Definitely, and I think because dad's side of thing, he's a partnership with his brother um, and his now partner and their mother, my gran. And so I think they've maybe been pulled up a bit in the past. With regards to contracts, we kind of know how important they are. And you don't really think about them till you need them. I don't think and then, um, and then it
1: can be too late. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. Um,
1: so how did you market your business in the beginning? And has it changed? Um, have you changed like strategy since you started? Um,
2: um Yeah, so marketing, if I'm honest, social media is a huge, huge, huge platform for us with regards to marketing. It's obviously free. And I suppose probably the biggest thing that has changed for us is as we've sort of progressed, um, we've maybe had more of a budget to spend on marketing. Definitely, it's word of mouth is definitely not to be underrated. And even customer service, it's not direct marketing, But if we can sort of have a personal relationship with all of our customers, I think that's really, really important. I I had
1: a quick look at your Instagram and I saw that it was one of the posts where you'd had some messages from someone saying that they'd love the milkshakes and they'd be coming back for more in the future. Like, that's really good. Do you get that a lot?
2: Really, really powerful. And I think like sometimes you think, oh, I'm not going to leave a review because that's like they know it's good or I don't know. But when like... You have a business, and when it is your heart and soul kind of goes into it, it's mad how, like, a positive review like that how much of a huge, huge impact it does have on the business. So, things like that I think are really, really important. It's
1: definitely great marketing for you. Do you have any focus on kind of the environmentally friendly aspects of things? Like, did I see you have the recyclable bottles?
2: That's it, yeah. So that's how we started out with the milk vending machine. Sort of the whole aspect of that is that you buy a glass bottle and then you go back to the vending machine and fill it up and use that same glass bottle, take it home, wash it enjoy the milk, take it home, wash it and then repeat, reuse, recycle. So you yeah. bring your glass bottle back. And that, that was the real kind of core and startup of the business. And I've not wanted to sort of move away from that too far. But obviously with the milkshake trailer, a lot of these events don't allow glass and things on site. And often they're one day events. So people obviously aren't going to come back and reuse their glass bottle. Mm-hmm. So we do offer the paper cup scheme but all of our cups are fully recyclable and we don't have the plastic coating on them um so they're purely paper so yeah it's definitely really really important for me and I think that relates back to the experience of being on the ground as part of the quality assurance team at Samworth Brothers I sort of realize how much sort of packaging there is involved and and i definitely wanted to try and reduce that so the people who were choosing to buy their food locally and seasonally and support farmers directly they could also have the option to shop more sustainably and the opportunities there for them but as we sort of ventured down the path as well as the cups, going into hospitalities. There's a lot of restaurants and pubs and and they don't deal with glass as well. So we've had to go into the sort of poly bottle route, which I think is okay. And as long as you try and like keep it to a minimum and, and be sustainable where you can, I think it's probably more everybody trying to do something rather than trying to cover all bases. And then with regards to waste, all of our leftover milk. So say we go to a show and we don't, have a sellout, any leftover milk is then fed to the calves. So we try and do like a zero waste cycle with the milk so we never actually tip any milk down the drain.
1: Wow, that's really good. So in terms of then kind of the farm shops and cafes you work with, um, how many are you working with currently?
2: Um, farm shops and cafes specifically, um, we have 32 suppliers I think in total, but farm shops and cafes specifically... I think we've eight cafes now and three farm shops that we work with.
1: Do you have any plans to expand uh, locations wise?
2: With those directly, I'm not sure, but definitely cover more farm shops and cafes over a larger area. If the cafes or farm shops were to expand, we would love to expand with them. Um, I know... Within Shrewsbury, there's a few, like, pubs and cafes that have the same owners, but potentially come under a different name. And where we can, we try and work with them and supply them on a variety of different sites. But often I know that their sites are maybe aimed at different markets. Like, for example, in Shrewsbury, the boathouse owned the lion and pheasant and the boathouse. They're the same owners. And they wanted our milk in the lion and pheasant, but not necessarily at the boathouse because it's a slightly different clientele.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So I don't know if you probably already considered this, but would you consider opening your own shop, cafe or farm shop?
2: I think that's the dream. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. Where we're located on farm, I'm not sure it's the location is ideal for a farm shop. I think a, a really like key factor is a busy sort of road or busy, a lot of footfall or traffic. Uh, like Chernka I think and even the battlefield they're like perfectly located for footfall so it's definitely something that I'd look into in the future but whether right now or whether it would be a farm shop on farm I don't know
1: oh you've got options that's good (laughs) um so in terms of your business then um where do you see uh Winsbury Dairy in five years what's your goal would that be the farm shop by that point or a shop of sorts
2: in five years, I probably, I think the first step is to expand our product range within the dairy category. Yeah. So I'd like to add more value. At the moment, we just deal with liquid milk. So we have milk and milkshake. We've sort of started doing a little bit of cream, um, which is really exciting. And as like a farm, we've actually won a great taste award for our cream which yeah and butter we entered um for that but we only sell that on the farm so I definitely like to expand those product ranges um the only thing with the butter is it uses a lot of cream and there's not to get the cream you have to separate the milk so there's obviously we produce more than semi and skimmed milk and there's not as much demand for them so it's kind of finding an outlet for them and I know that schools we've spoken to a couple of schools within Shrewsbury, and they would like the semi-skim milk to offer um, to the Shrewsbury High School for example we've had conversations with them and they're really really keen to have a few milk pergles so sort of the tabletop milk dispensers within the school so the girls could sort of help themselves throughout the day and that would be the semi-skimmed same with Ozistry and a few other sort of private schools around the area who really want the semi-skimmed and I think I'm really passionate about getting milk into schools especially like a local fresh produce I think milk is sort of very nutritionally dense and I think if we can get not necessarily children, but adolescents as well, drinking more milk, it would be an amazing thing. And their requirement would be semi-skimmed as that's what's recommended on the government guidelines. So if we could team up and work with them a bit more to get semi skim milk into there, that would free up a bit more cream. So then we could work on the sort of added value products. I know for me, gelato is sort of a dream, but- oh, okay. So within five years, it's probably expand our product range yeah. Um, more so than the farm shop side of things, but it's definitely a pipeline dream.
1: Yeah, so that could be more 10, 20 years down the line when you're more established. So in terms of what you've been doing over the summer then, what have you been involved in? You mentioned a couple of shows you go to over the summer period.
2: Yeah, so summer's probably our big busiest time of year. Um, I think as the weather improves, there's definitely an increased demand for milkshakes. Um. So yeah... Every weekend, really, the trailer seems to have been out, whether it's sort of um, agricultural shows. We've been to steam rallies. We've been to sort of open days at universities such as Harper Adams and Reese heath have had us at quite a few of their open days. We've been to a lot of things at the sea. We've got a really good working relationship with a lady a Caravan Park in. Abu Dhabi. So we go down there quite a lot. Even private events, charity events. We've had the trailer parked up at the hospital, um, the Royal Shrewsbury Hospital. We did quite a lot of work or do quite a lot of work with the Ling and Davis um, and managed to raise a, quite a lot of money for them last last year and we haven't got the grand total for this year by having the milkshake trailer parked outside the hospital and then we kind of split the profits it doesn't
1: sound like you've stopped at all all summer
2: Uh, it it seems it kind of winds down sort of october november times but then sort of christmas markets come and things like that um
1: it's really interesting and it's great to hear a local story of a growing business that's helping to choose the community help the community, sorry, and to tackle the kind of key environmental issues at the same time. Um, So encouraging people, like you say, to choose local and um, invest in local schools and help like that, that's really important, I think, for us um, in Shropshire and surrounding areas. Um, And it's for everyone too, so all sectors. I'd say for us as a law firm, it's important that we support local and we're always encouraging Um, each other to do so and then it's also really nice when we're supported back and we have clients that try to support us locally so it's great that's really good so moving on then I thought it might be quite useful for our listeners to learn a little bit more about you in kind of like a quick fire question section um would you be up for that definitely great okay so number one then what advice would you give to someone at the start of their journey
2: research look into what sort of paperwork you need what different steps there are within the setting up industry sort of market research is there a demand for your product it's definitely sort of you cannot because there's sometimes a sort of perception over oh I've got this idea should I keep it to myself and not talk to people about it but for me it was definitely research get out there talk about it to everyone sort of networking. So is there
1: anything that you made sure you did regularly at the start or anything that you've continued to do from setting up that you'd recommend doing? And do you know like a weekly check-in to see where like where you're at with numbers or something like that?
2: Yeah definitely so we have a sit-down meeting I call it a meeting it's around the kitchen table with my mum Dan who's my business partner myself and my dad who's the dairy farmer Um, And we kind of go through. Mum is incredible at doing like these analyses with all our suppliers. And we've got kind of like January, February, March, April, May for each year. Um, And we look at sort of, what they were last month, what they are this month. so And just like a reflection on any new suppliers and any events we've got coming up. Do we need to order sort of cash flow things? So do we need more bottles? Do we need to have sort of a large spend on something? We've just bought a new refrigerated van. So sit down every month and have a conversation like that. And then Dan and I sit down every Sunday and plan the week.
1: So what makes Winsbury Dairy special? How do you separate yourselves from the competitors?
2: Um, I really like that I am sort of a female in the agricultural industry. And I think there's sort of definitely that aspect within our values and beliefs that milk is really, really nutritionally dense. And I think that's so important. Um Our cows are grass fed, so our milk is higher in Amigas. We have minimal, minimal processing. So there's two kind of ways of pasteurizing milk. You can do it in a batch pasteurizer or a inline pasteurizer. The inline is done much, much faster, but it uses much higher temperatures. Um, Whereas we do batch pasteurizing, which is a lot lower temperatures at a much slower pace. Um, But it means that the milk retains a lot more of its nutritional value. And I think my passion within that sort of um, sets our milk aside to be a superior product.
1: What's the hardest part would you say about being an entrepreneur?
2: Probably the work-life balance. Your job is kind of more your life. It's more of a lifestyle rather than a job. I don't know if it's the hardest, but it's the kind of, it's the thing that you have to maybe get your head around.
1: Yeah, probably the biggest adjustment. Yeah. from Being an employee. That's it. Yeah so what's the best thing then about being an entrepreneur
2: again it's probably the same thing but in a different way in that you sort of plan your time so you work all day most days but you kind of get like that time let's say there's a family function on you can plan your time around it so that you can get time off to go there and sort of like if you need a couple of hours in the day to do something so yeah it you're really in control of your time
1: what's been your biggest achievement so far
2: in terms of awards and success that side of things we won for all of our liquid milk so our milkshakes our milk and our cream in the um, international cheese and dairy awards this year we won gold in all of those that was really exciting But also, I suppose, biggest achievements in relation to the charity work that we've done. So we've done, as I said, a lot of work with um, Ling and Davis and managed to raise a lot of money for them, which is dad sort of went on a journey with them last year. So that's really significant to us as a family. Um, And they helped him a lot. So being able to give back is really important for us. And sort of I see that as a big achievement. But we've also worked quite closely with Rabbi and the air ambulance, and so so sort of the charity work that we do as well is quite significant to us.
1: Yeah, again, it's great that you're helping the local community as well as doing what you love. Exactly. Has there been anything that's been easier than you thought it would be?
2: I don't know how to put this, but the... The people, like the community, building the community, like ninety percent of people are so kind and they're so um, willing to try your new products and excited for you and they rally behind you and sort of the support has been unbelievable. Like and I and I, I think I was blown away by how incredible people are.
1: That's definitely what you want. Uh, and what about then something that's been slightly harder than you thought it might be? Is there anything that comes to mind?
2: not harder, but I think to have things down on paper that you know that you're doing so you sort of once you've pasteurized and things you know that you wash the pasteurizer and sterilize it and you know the chemicals you do it with and you know that you do the drains every week and you know that you sort of at the end of the day you sterilize all the room and sort of wash down but I think it's the kind of having the paperwork behind that and then recording it all on the paperwork I think I maybe under how much sort of you have to record everything you do to back up and prove that you are doing what you say you do
1: I can imagine there's a lot of paperwork (laughs) yeah looking then at the good and bad sides of being an entrepreneur would you ever go back to being employed do you think
2: I think it's different people different things but for me I, I love I sort of love that you're in control of how hard you work sort of equals how much you can succeed so how much you put into it you directly see the results of that
1: so my next question was going to be do you love your job but i think you've answered that one
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do i feel smug saying it but i i do
1: (laughs) thank you ellie that's all been really interesting and i'm sure your answers again will help a lot of local entrepreneurs to develop their business further
2: is there many startups that you work with and i suppose especially locally and within the food industry
1: uh yeah so we we get a lot of startups come to us for assistance and help in the beginning um more so, like I said, they come a little bit later on, but it's nicer when they come right at the start. But really, my advice for them, usually from a legal viewpoint, is kind of just setting the legal framework and choosing the entity they want to go forward with. So like you said, that you're in partnership, and um, but the two... Key ones are they can either be incorporated as a private limited company or they can go into partnership. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, they can also be sole traders. So there's lots of options in the beginning, and it's weighing that up and deciding what's going to work best for them. So it's kind of helping them pave their way forward into the industry they want to go into. Um, In terms of um, the food and drink industry, really we get a whole wide range of different industries that come to us. Um, So there's not one we have. Um, more or less of than another. So it's really eye-opening really and good to see locally that we get a lot of different businesses come our way. As well like you touched on earlier another point that we'd like to kind of push for new startups is entering into some sort of agreement like the partnership agreement you've got or a shareholders agreement as well. So some of my colleagues did a previous um, podcast on uh, shareholders agreements and what kind of details you can put Um, into those I'd always as well kind of push that and suggest they have a listen to that in the first instance Uh, so that's a good thing to listen to just as an overview of what they could cover and then practically as well like advice from a practical point of view I'd normally suggest startups just kind of take a step back and look at it from more of like a holistic viewpoint Um, so they need to consider what's best for the business and what kind of what's best for them and then kind of coming up with a balance of what's going to work. So like what you said with the work-life balance, trying to come to kind of like a happy medium of where it can all fit together. And then just keeping records, like you say, having meetings, keeping things going, as well looking back on the records, so seeing how far you've come and the achievements you've made as well.
2: Dan and I sort of put every month five percent of each of the trailer sales money that comes from that into a fun fund because we did like not being a corporate company we don't have like a Christmas party or like things like that so we kind of like and we think it's quite important to like do something fun together that is not part of the dairy industry and sort of like use that time that we get because we both work quite full-on so we yeah to step back from the business and reflect on sort of what we've achieved that is definitely a really nice thing to do as well
1: no that's a great idea as well you get to kind of spend some time getting to know each other as well away from work so although you probably know each other really well it's good to kind of step back and just enjoy life as well
2: yeah yeah definitely
1: and see how far you've come with your business
2: what do you think are the three like most important things to sort out when starting out first of all
1: putting in place advisors so like you say getting an accountant in or a solicitor um Ideally, both. Um, The accountant, of course, you'll need in the beginning and then the solicitor can help you put together employment contracts if you're taking on employees, uh, terms and conditions as well for your suppliers or your customers. Um, And those sort of things are the sort of things I would suggest would be overlooked in the initial stages, but they're also really important and they can save you a lot of time in the long run as well if you put them in place straight away. Secondly, would be funding. Um, and considering how, like where you're going to get your money from, if you've got it yourself, or if you need investors. Um, So that's just a key consideration. And then finally, the third thing I think you'd need to sort out is to have a business plan in place. So you're going to need that if you've got investors coming on board, and it's also really useful, like you say, you go through this on your meetings and see what you've achieved, and you can keep a record of it, and then build on your business plan as well. So I'd say those are the three key things.
2: And just to add to your second point, I think grants and loans available. There's some amazing, like government-funded grants and loans available now. So really checking those out.
1: Thank you very much for joining us, Ellie. It's been really insightful to hear about your business and how you've developed. I have just got one last question, and before you go where can we see you next do you have events coming up over the christmas period easter period summer next year do you have plans for the future with events
2: the next sort of things that you'll see us at so summer shows are winding down towards an end now so yeah it's christmas markets sort of that are coming up now um there's some fantastic things on within Shrewsbury, like the light turn on we're really keen to get involved in the park runs the 5k park runs and then next summer hopefully spread our wings and go a little bit further afield to some slightly larger shows um in the summertime I'd love to do some horse trials just because that's what I have a passion in as well so it'd be lovely to like tie those in together
0: best of luck hopefully speak to you soon thank you so much Thank you to Abby for her expertise and to our special guest, Ellie, for sharing her story. If you have a legal issue you'd like me to put to our team to cover in an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please remember to follow or subscribe on your app so you're notified of new releases when they come out every Monday. Speak to you next week. That was The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.